All right, so for today, we're going to jump back into a series that we've been in. If this is your first time here in a while, you've not, uh, you, can, you can follow along with where we're at today. So it's not like you had to hear the previous messages to understand today. Uh, all these, though, will work together. So the, the series here that we've been in is called Identity, Who Am I? And I think we often struggle with our identity, and we let other people speak over us who we are. And we let news, and we let media, and we let magazines, and we let pop culture determine who we are. And so because I'm a certain age, I'm this person. And because I wear a certain size clothes, I'm this person. And because I don't have hair, I'm this person. Because I make this kind of grade or this much money or live in this city, then this is the person that I am. Or because I'm part of this denomination or because I work at this place of business. Often we let these things determine our greatest identity. And listen, we have all kinds of titles. But the titles we really want to live under are those that God says over us. And so I'm working hard personally to not say anything over me that God's not saying over me. To not put some kind of boundary or restriction on who I am if God's not doing that very thing. Because I want to be who He wants me to be. And often I limit who God is just by living in my little box. So identity, who are we? And so how do you answer that? Who are we? Sir? Sir? Oh, I thought somebody said something. Who are we? Children of God. Okay, so we've talked about that. We're adopted. We've talked about we're people who are forgiven. We've talked about we're people who are, what the little boy sing this morning? Or the young man? All right, Jesus loves me. So we talked about how we are lavishly loved by God. We've talked about how we've been crowned with glory and honor. Right? You're the, you're the highest and greatest creation of God. And don't let anybody tell you anything different. Okay? You're not equal with animals. You know, it's not, hey, if my pet dog is dying and so is my neighbor, I'm going to save my pet dog over my neighbor. No, that's not right. We've got to value people over creatures. We're to rule creatures. God's put us in dominion over them. They're not better than. All right? God made them and we're to cherish them and treat them correctly under that provision of God. But we're crowned with glory and honor, and they aren't. We're made in the image of God, which, man, if you've missed the study here the last couple weeks of David Platt, it's been very good talking about the image, who, what it means to be imprinted, what it means to be in the impression of, made after the likeness of God. All right? And so that was four. So we've been crowned with glory and honor. We've been made and fashioned by God, created for a purpose, watched over, cared for, was that whole first message. And then last week we said we are all accepted. We're all accepted by God, right? You remember that? So we can come to Him just as we are. Uh, it's not like we've got to earn it or we've got to get right before we can become part of the family. He accepts us just as we are. And what a beautiful thought that is. So just think about it for a minute. That's five. So we could say created and fashioned by God, all right? We've been adopted. We've been accepted. We've been forgiven. We've been lavishly loved. You've got a pretty sweet identity, don't you? And, and this is just the beginning of the puzzle. This is just the start of it. Right? Sometimes we identify ourselves with things that are just totally negative and they put us down. And it's like God doesn't say that over you. Why are you saying that over yourself? Why are you buying that lie? So over and over again here what we're doing is looking at some clues to help us put together the puzzle, kind of like a detective, of this identity. Who am I as somebody who's been created by Jesus? 
Here this past week, my daughter Lucy and I went to the Magic House. Any of you ever been to the Magic House? You been to the Magic House? Okay, pretty magical. So we've been there. Some of you, maybe you've been there before. Maybe it's been a while. Well, they have this section there where you have to act like a detective. And you go through about 20 steps. And so it's this whole big wing of this building. And the basic premise is somebody has stolen some artwork and you've got to find out who did it. And so you start out by identifying um, a piece of art that is a counterfeit. And so they took the real one and replaced it with a fake. So you've got to identify this counterfeit. When you, and so you work your way around all these stations. And at one point you've got to crack a code which opens a lock. And when you open the door of the lock, there's a button there for you to push that opens a secret passageway. And everybody's like, oh, this is amazing. And so the bookcase swings open and you get to walk in this place. And then there's like pieces of hair that you look at under a microscope. And there's pieces of clothing that you look at under a microscope. And there's the imprint of shoes and like 10 pair of shoes. And there's glasses. And there's like 10 pair of glasses there that you have to... You're trying to piece together and identify who the thief is. Okay? So I'm not going to tell you. When you get to the end, you'll have to go to the magic house. When you get to the end, you put together all your pieces and you would say, this is the identity of the thief based on these things. Okay? And so there's evidence there that supports that identity. You and I have evidence right here that supports our identity. And so I don't have to look all over this world trying to define me. I need to look to what God says. What are his clues? Who has he said that I am? And so it's like detective work, putting together the pieces of the puzzle, letting God define me, identify me, rather than anything else in this world. And so the importance of this is, it then shapes me for living the way I've been created. This is who I am, and this is how I am to live. Okay? This is who I am, and this is how I am to live. And so Colossians 3 is where we're going to be. We're going to read through here this First 11 verses of this chapter, of this letter of Paul to these, these early believers. And what we're talking about here this morning is our identity is that we are hidden in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. And so what does that look like, right? He hideth my soul. We've sung this morning. We're hidden. What's it mean to be hidden in, in Christ? And it's, is that beneficial? Is that something we would want? And then ultimately, how do we live that out here this morning? So you can follow along. It's on the wall. It's uh, in your Bible as well. Uh, we'll read the first 11 verses here of Colossians chapter 3. So beginning in verse 1, it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And so what does that tell us there at the end? He has the final say-so over who we are. It's not Jew, Gentile, slave, free, barbarian. None of that stuff is what's most important. What's most important is that Christ is the modifier. He's the identifier. He's the one who says, this is who you are. This is who we are. And so today we're looking at who we are in Christ. What does it mean to be hidden? What does it mean to be hidden? Okay, so three things we'll note as we progress through, uh, particularly here the first four verses of this passage, um, as relates to being hidden in Christ. So the first one is this. To be deadened means, or to be hidden rather, means we are dead to the world. To be hidden means that we are dead to the world. So help me out. Have you ever been dead to the world? Have you ever heard that phrase used before? I've had a few moments like this in my life, not spiritually speaking, okay, where I've been physically dead to the world. You know where you're just totally exhausted? And so you go home, you may not even take off your shoes, you just crawl in bed and you're out. Or you get on the couch and you're out. Or you get in your easy chair and recline and you're out. And there, your children could be screaming, the neighbor could be out mowing, right? They could be creating all kinds of havoc and making all kinds of noise in the kitchen and you don't have a clue what's going on. Why? Because you're dead to the world. You've been there before? Isn't that a sweet place to be? <laughs> I am dead to the world. All right? Well, in moments like that, the world means absolutely nothing to me. The world in moments like that has absolutely no power whatsoever over me. You could come in there and stand and look at me, and I'd have no clue. Why? I'm dead to the world. All right? And you could be in there banging and making all kinds of noise. You could call my cell phone, and I'm not going to answer it. Why? Because I'm dead to the world. So nothing in this world then would have power or have any influence over me. Let's think about it another way here for just a minute. One of these days I'm going to pass away. And I don't know how and I don't know when and I'm not in any hurry to do so, but it's going to happen. Right? It's just kind of how life works here. Uh, when you put me in that box and you position me in the front of a church or in a funeral home or maybe out in the middle of a field, I don't know, put me wherever at that point, I don't really care. Am I going to care what the temperature is? Am I laying there like, oh, I wish they'd turn the air on. It's so hot in here. Good grief, people. Or am I thinking, man, I wish they'd put some socks on my feet. I'm just freezing. Or turn up the music. I can't hear it. No, I'm not going to be thinking any of these things. Why? Because I'm dead to this world. This world has zero, how much? Zero power influence over me. I'm dead to it. Now, there's a comedian whose name is Tim Hawkins. Maybe you've seen him before. Tim says, I'm going to put the fun in funeral. So he says when people come by his viewing, he's going to have a bowl of Smarties on his chest. And so people, you know the Smartie candy? And so people will walk by and, oh, it's so sad what happened to Tim. And, oh, Smarties, you know, and they'll be all, it's a Smartie party. Right? That's what he says. And, and he says there's going to be loud music and a DJ and everybody's dancing. He said, don't let me lay there. Get me involved. Right? I just don't want to, I want to participate. But he's not there. Right? He's dead to the world. What does it mean to be dead to the world, spiritually speaking? Well, 
It starts with being hidden in Christ. If I'm not hidden in Christ, the only way I'll ever live is for the world. And so we'll get to hidden in Christ here secondly, but to, to be able to live as an adopted and accepted, forgiven, lavishly loved follower of Jesus, being part of the family, I've got to find myself dead to the world. That is, I'm not living for today. And we read it here this morning. You've been raised. If I've been raised, it means that I've been what? You don't raise the living. You raise who? The dead. And so when Paul wrote and said, you've been raised, it means you're raised because you've been dead. The same way Jesus was dead and he was raised, you and I need to be dead so then we can be raised to live. And so being dead to the world means I'm not living for temporary gain. I'm not living for selfish pleasure. I'm not going to indulge in things that are not good for me or that are sinful or that are dishonoring to my God. And so I'm going to live as though I'm dead to the world. And so when somebody says to me, if they did say this to me, hey, Corey, we're, we're going to go out and drink our sorrows away here this weekend. You coming with us? Want to drink with us? I'd say, well, no, I'm dead to the world. I'll be your driver, so you're not dead to the world. But I'm not going to participate in that because I found myself not needing those sorts of things. Right? I'm not going to participate in something that's dishonoring to my God because I'm dead to the world. Or to get involved with something, have a conversation with someone that is not honoring, I'm not going to participate in that. Why? Because I'm dead to the world. To argue with somebody who doesn't agree with my opinion is stupidity. And I'm not going to go there because I am I'm dead to the world. That's not the representation of my Father. That's not my identity. I'm dead to that way of thinking. And so I'm going to live. I've been raised. I've got to live differently than those who are just spiritually dead. So let's read it again. Since then, you fill in the word. Since then, you have been what? Raised with Christ. It means you had to be dead somewhere. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. And then set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, okay? You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What did you do? You died. And so for me to be hidden in Christ, for you to be hidden in Christ, we have to die. We have to become dead to the world. Dead to the world. And this isn't a one-time death, unfortunately. It's a death that I have to keep dying over and over and over again. Right? This is why Luke writes what he does here. Talking about Jesus here. Jesus speaking. If you're going to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. Whoever wants to be one of my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross. How often? Daily and follow me. The picture here is I die daily. I take up my cross daily. I follow daily. So it's a daily raising. Because I've got to live as though I've been dead to this world. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. I get that. As a matter of fact, to pursue the things of this world, the temporary, will be a whole lot easier than to pursue things that last forever. And to pursue things that we're naturally drawn to can be a whole lot easier than things that are a struggle to attain. But ultimately, when I pursue the temporary, it leads to my destruction. Think about it this way for a minute. One last little word picture before we progress. You guys have seen those bug zappers and maybe you have one at your house. You know what I'm talking about? 
those blue kind of light you hang outside in the summertime and you plug them in so when you're sitting outside they'll kill the bugs in that area. So inevitably you're sitting there and every so often what do you hear? That's right. Oh, you're just kind of happy. Oh, we've got another one. Right? Another one bites the dust. Good deal. And so we're delighted over that. Is that bug delighted? No. Now, does that bug have a clue whatsoever that that is going to lead to their destruction? No. And that's not a cognitive bug, all right? So I'm, I'm giving it some animation here. I'm making this thing come to life in ways that it cannot. But it's being drawn. It's attracted to that light. And what it does not know is that that light, when it gets close, is going to lead to its destruction. It's going to strike it dead. And that's similar to how it works in this world. When we don't live as though we're dead to this world, we're drawn, attracted to things that seem like that beautiful light. Oh, I'm going to participate in that conversation. I'm going to hang out with the boys this weekend. And I'm going to observe things that I shouldn't observe. And I'm going to listen to stuff that I shouldn't listen to. And I'm going to participate in sin. All I'm doing, I'm getting closer and closer to that zapper. And there's a moment there where ultimately it's going to lead to my destruction. And I don't even see it coming. See, I've got a role to play. My role is to live as though I am dead. We read several things there out of Colossians 3 that you and I must do. Put to death, therefore. And then Paul goes on to list some things that we've got to put to death. If you've been raised with Christ, you're hidden with Him, which means, therefore, you're going to live as though you're dead to the world. Dead to the world means I don't need money and the pursuit of money, and I don't need to be attracted to that to make life worth living. Ultimately, that's like the bug zapper. I don't need to pursue things that are selfish or participate in things that are going to lead me away from being formed in the likeness of Christ because those things ultimately are going to lead and lend me just like that bug zapper. I'm ultimately going to be destroyed. See, we see people like this all the time under the influence of the world and the result is their life is leading to destruction. Is the world enticing? The world is enticing, right? If it wasn't, we wouldn't have this warning. And so yeah, we want to participate in sin. Yeah, sometimes I'd like to punch back. Somebody hits me, I want to hit back. You spit at me, I want to spit at you. You talk mad about my kids, I want to talk bad about you. Sometimes we want to just react. And so it's in here. No, that's not how we... Anger, rage, malice. Remember those we read? You've got to put all that stuff away. Remember, you're dead to the world. So I'm not going to participate in that. If I don't know my identity, I will participate. And it happens in a moment. Right? And we talked about that here a couple weeks ago. I can be loving the Lord. I told you driving down the road, and all of a sudden somebody cuts me off, and I'm just like, almost instantly just want to pull you over and have a conversation. What happened? And I forgot my identity. I've got wrapped up in the moment and I forgot that I'm hidden with Christ. So yeah, we're enticed, but we've got to be dead. To be hidden initially means that I'm dead. It's to say the world has no influence over me. What a beautiful way to live. Now wasn't it Solomon who wrote and said, God's made everything simple. Man's made it complicated. Ecclesiastes, he talks about that. We've made things complex because we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to have salvation and live in sin. We want to love God and hate our neighbor. He says, no, no, no. Right? That's not how we've been created to live. And so we can live in such a way where we are dead to the world. You believe that? I hope you do. Otherwise, you've got really no hope or confidence that your God is who He says He is. 
All right, let's progress here this morning. To be hidden in Christ, not only is it about us being dead to the world, but we're going to be under the influence, under the influence of the Spirit within us. All right, so this is the beautiful portion to me of this text right here. This is what allows us the opportunity to live dead to the world. See, being dead to the world is not about modifying your behavior. Right? I am not a DIY project. What's DIY mean? Do it yourself. So following Jesus is not DIY. Okay? He'll save you and then from that point on, DIY. No, 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 no. Alright? That's called heresy. We don't teach that here. It's, it's always about the work of the Spirit in the life of somebody who's dead to the world. So Christ is in me, dead to the world. I'm hidden in Him. And now I am living my life under His influence. And so I need the help. I need the work of the Spirit of God. So the Spirit will help you live dead to the world, put to death these things. But the Spirit is also there to help us to live under the influence of Christ so that we live in ways that are God honoring, how we've been created to live. And so let's go back and look at this here once again. Colossians 3 verse 1, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. You know who does not set their heart on things above? People who are not hidden in Christ. Because people who are not hidden in Christ aren't dead to this world. They're living for the world. And so all they see is the temporary. All they see is what's here. They're not focused on the creator, sustainer. They're not focused on the eternal. It's all about the temporary. And so those who are hidden in Christ, dead to the world, you're going to live under the influence by setting your hearts on things above and also by setting your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Does anybody remember the fourth song we sang this morning? Ma'am? All right, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Okay? That's a song. It's got a melody to it, and you can quote the words. Is that biblical? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about here. Right? You want to be dead to the world and the things of earth will grow strangely what? Dim. That word dim means they have no influence. They no longer are most important. They're not heavy. All right? They're not powered over me. When I focus on Jesus, eyes fixed, mind fixed, under the influence of the Spirit, now then I'm living as I am hidden in Christ. Magnifying Jesus, making much of Him and His work in me, makes little of the power and the influence of this world. And so to be hidden in Christ means I've got the ability through the Spirit to battle and to battle well. Now, that term under the influence is a little bit recognizable, isn't it? Like outside of these church walls, if you were talking with somebody and they said, yeah, you know, this past weekend he was under the influence. Are you thinking under the influence of Christ? No. What are you thinking? All right, so typically we think alcohol. Under the influence of alcohol. All right, or maybe you would say, you know, something like a DUI or something of that nature. Have you ever seen somebody, and maybe you've participated as somebody who's been under the influence of alcohol or drugs? Okay, so a few of us will be honest. And maybe none of you have never done that, okay? Maybe you've never been that way. I've seen people, and very, very, very briefly, I have been that person. Enough to say, no, 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 never again. Uh, and I'll tell you that story some other day. Uh, but I've seen people like this, and I've experienced this. So maybe for you it's not alcohol or drugs. Maybe it was approval. Maybe it's applause. Maybe it's pride or arrogance. Maybe it's lust. Whatever it is, 
Everybody on the planet has lived under the influence of something that's not God-honoring at some point or another. Okay? So under the influence can be anything sinful. Or it can also be something here that we're talking about that is God-honoring, under the Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit. Now, here recently, I was having a conversation with a guy out in the country, and he said his neighbor was seen here a couple weekends ago driving around on a four-wheeler in the middle of this small country town, middle of the night, no clothes on, screaming at the top of his lungs. Is that normal behavior? No. And so we would say of that person, they are under the influence. And unfortunately, this neighbor has a very serious meth problem. They found him before in the same situation, laying out in the middle of a cornfield. Terrified. People were chasing him. And they're going to kill us all, and we've got to get out of here. All right? He's under the influence of, of a drug. And it's recognizable. Okay? You look at that, and you go, wow, like, that is not normal. There's something there that is very different. Right? We're all to be under the influence of something. And we're going to find Paul speaking to us here this morning about that just as well. So he knew the power of the influence of things like alcohol. You remember Ephesians 5.18? Don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Right? So the point here is, yeah, we are to be under the influence of something, but it's not spirits. It's what? It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So to be hidden in Christ means He has hidden Himself in me. And His Spirit resides in me. And He's empowering me to live dead to the world, but to also live under the influence of His Spirit to live out the ways that I've been created to live. And so here He's saying, don't get drunk. And we could add to this, don't be under the influence of anything that's not God-honoring because it leads to things that are terrible. You know what debauchery or debauchery is? It's the habitual and unrestrained indulgence of lust and sensuality. It's what we'd call today partying. It's when you just get yourself in a position where you've lost the ability to make good decisions, your inhibition's gone, and you're not really at a point where you can remember anything. Okay? That's what it means here to be filled with the Spirit and to live a life that is, uh, would be classified as debauchery or debauchery. And so here he's going to say it includes things like sexual immorality, things like crude talking, and things such as behavior that is not self-controlled or that is out of control. And so all we're saying here is people who are hidden in Christ live under the influence of the Spirit. They're recognizable as such. Okay? So after five minutes with somebody, ten minutes, if I don't have on my I Love Jesus t-shirt... Should somebody know that I love Jesus? All right? Should people be able to see something in us that's a little bit different? There's something recognizable about you. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not riding around on a four-wheeler drunk, so it's not drugs. You know, they accuse the disciples and Jesus of being drunk. Right? Why are they speaking in these tongues? They're, they're drunk. And why is he able to cast out these demons? He's just a fool. He's drunk. There was something about them that was different. Something about them that was recognizable or identifiable. When we live under the Spirit, not do it yourself, under the influence of the Spirit, we'll find that we are recognizable to those who are outside, who are not hidden in Christ. And so God says don't live that way. Fix your eyes. Set your mind on things above rather than on things that are below. And so listen for the Spirit. How often do you spend listening for the Spirit of God to speak to you? 
know, this is a discipline. It takes time, set aside time to get quiet and to read and to pray and just to listen. And we tend to be people who are not very comfortable with silence. As though I'm, I could be doing something more productive. There's a better way for me to spend my time. Listen, to hear the voice of the Spirit, it won't happen in the cluttered, hurried life. We've got to live this simple, focused, taking time apart from everything that distracts us so we can hear and recognize, listen to, the voice of the Spirit. See, we're to know who we are. To be hidden in Christ means that I'm dead to the world. To be hidden in Christ means He's hidden Himself in me. This is my identity. And this is your identity. This is who you are. And apart from this, we've got it mixed up. Are you a follower of Jesus? Right? Remember how amazing we said we were to start with? Lavishly loved, extended forgiveness, accepted, adopted, all these things. That's wonderful. But that's the start. Right? Christ has hidden himself in us so then that we would live in such a way that's identifiable. Okay? Know who I am. And when I know who I am, then I'm able to live out the way that I've been created to live. Remember, temporary titles can be taken in a moment's notice. And this is who I once was, and this is the job that I held as a husband, as a dad, pastor, whatever your job title might be. This is the title that I held, and it's gone. So if that title defined me, now who am I? You know, one of the beautiful things about God one of the great attributes of God is that he never changes. And so what he said over Moses and Abraham and David and these Old Testament people, what he says in his New Testament, he still says today, he's never changed. How he identified people is how he identifies you and I today. And so we can put our confidence there. Under the influence of the Spirit, all right? To, me, to be hidden. And then third here and last this morning, to be hidden in Christ means... Uh, for those who believe, one day we will be with Christ. And we sing about this often here, just reminding ourselves, you know, this isn't the end of a Disney movie. It's not just the, the tail end of a fairy tale story. This is reality for the follower of Jesus. Do you get that? I mean, that shell that you're currently wearing is temporary. You get that? You probably understand that better than I do, some of you in this room, okay? But the reality is, the eternal reality is that those who believe will one day forever be with Christ. That is, we're going to be with Him where things are currently hidden from us. We're going to be fully exposed to everything that's been preserved and prepared for those who believe. It's hidden, hidden with Christ, and yet it's coming. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears. Okay? This is not... Fairy tale. You know, there are people who believe that we're kind of strange anyway. This is kind of strange, isn't it? We believe one day the sky's going to part and somebody's going to come back. That sounds pretty strange. And yet that's what the Bible teaches and that's what the Spirit in us has sealed and that's what we believe. And so our hope is that Christ is going to appear and that when He does appear, we will appear with Him in glory. So he's not going to come and just show up real quick. Hey, now you see me, now you don't, and go away and we're stuck. 
No, there are things that are hidden from us currently that will not be hidden from us forever. So what a great moment, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What a great moment to behold Jesus. We talked about Fanny Crosby this morning. Like, what a great moment that had to be for her. You know, we look at her and think, oh, what a terrible life. And she's like, I just can't wait to see Jesus. What a great moment when he appears so that when we, we also then will appear and we'll be able to see him. And so there will be gratitude. Thank you for dying for us. But there will also just be this worship of holiness, absolute purity, right? Complete humbleness, uh, just this total servant-lived life. But as far as I can tell, we've not arrived there yet. Right? And so we're still hidden in Christ here. And so Peter gives us some advice. He says, though you've not seen him, what do you do? You love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And the result of that is you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, which is that salvation of your souls. This is ongoing. This is present tense. No, he has not appeared yet, but we are receiving now until he appears in the one that we love that we've not seen and the one that we believe in and we've not beheld yet. We are receiving the salvation of our souls and one day that will lead us to be with Christ. You know, this is our temporary reality. I've never seen Jesus with my eyes. I've never looked on Him. I've tried to visualize what's He like. I've tried to visualize well, what, the, what are the scars look like. What was Thomas touching? What was it that Thomas looked at and finally was like, wow, Jesus. How can this be? This is utterly unbelievable. I've often wondered, what's it going to be like to look at him? That's my eternal reality. My temporary reality is right now, he's hidden. One day you and I will be with Christ. And what Peter wrote is that produces within us a great gladness, a great hope. And not the hope that has my fingers crossed. I hope there's a Jesus and I hope that when I die I'll see him. Now let's go back to our identity. All right? Did the Bible say there's a God? Yes. Does the Bible say this God created, fashioned, has crowned you with glory and honor? Yes. And I understand I'm starting with a premise that says the Bible is true. Maybe you're in this room and you'd say, I'm not sure that I believe the Bible is true, therefore I don't believe in God. Well, let's do a little history talk on that some other time. And that's you. I'd love to talk with you about that. All right? But what the Bible says of these things is true. It talks about this... Did God extend lavish love towards us, according to the Bible? Yes. Why did he do that? He did that because he loves us, and so then he could extend forgiveness to us, so then we could be adopted and accepted and hidden in Christ. The Bible speaks of all these things in exact terms. This is what's true. It's never, oh, I hope that I'm accepted, or I hope that I'm forgiven, or I hope that I'm loved. No, I have a hope, and it is as concrete as this floor. It's the rock of my life. His name is Jesus Christ. I haven't seen him yet, but one day I will. Until then, I have great gladness of heart 
right? Because I'm hidden in him. He's equipped me to be dead to the world. He's influencing me to live in ways that are God-honoring. And he's reminding me that, Corey, this is your temporary reality. One day you'll see things just as they truly are. And so to be hidden in Christ, this is who you are. Right? Go through the titles in your life. Right? Dad, or husband, dad, pastor, teacher, coach, neighbor, friend, whatever. Bald, 40s, you know, Granite City, Free Will Baptist. And go through all your titles. Right? What do you let speak over you? I'm not saying that any of those are bad. They all have their purpose, but they all have to function under the identity that God has given us. So those things don't define me. God defines me. And therefore I can function in all these other titles. Today what we've seen is that we are, if we are those who believe, we are hidden in Christ. You're able to live dead to this world where this world has no influence over you. Are you there? Just think... If you watch the news for 10 minutes and you can't stomach it, are you there? I think there's some people who think the world's going to end November 8th. At least in this country. 7th, 8th, whenever it is. Once we cast a vote and somebody's elected, it's just downhill from like, where's our identity? What he writes and says is we can live in such a way where the world has no power. How much power? No power. No influence over me. And so there I've got to be soaked in, mind set on, eyes fixed on Jesus so I can live in such a way where I'm not under the influence of the world. Hidden in Christ means I can be dead to this world. It won't make me dead, but it means I can live empowered by the Spirit, dead to the world, then therefore to glorify God the way He's created me to live, ultimately looking forward when He appears that I also will appear with him. And so my question to you as we close today is this. Are you living in your identity? Are you living in your identity? Would you say, man, that, that classifies me right? That is who I am. That's how I do life. Maybe today you find yourself battling sin. Battling the mood of the culture. Battling negativity of all these things we've been dealing with here on Wednesdays of the sexual perversion of this rampant racism of this great wealth that's not being poured out to those who have great need and you look around and you just get broken broken's not bad but maybe we get to a point where we are disheartened am I really living under the influence of the spirit am I dead to the world Right? Somebody cuts me off in traffic, do I bless them the way God would want me to? You know, somebody's rude and mean to me, do I pray for them? Do I take time just to maybe ask, hey, no, I'm not trying to be rude here, but can I help you with something? Seems like you're just a little stressed or frustrated. I've got a few minutes to talk. and You don't know me at all, but can I help you? And I believe it's the Word of God, right? It says a gentle word turns away wrath. 
Right? We've got ways that we are created to live. And we're not perfect in it yet, but we've got to grow and keep pressing. And so I want to challenge you and pray for you as you challenge and pray for me in return. So are you living in your identity? Under the influence. Are you living with that future reality in view? This is temporary. One day I'll behold the one that I've never seen. And one day I'll be in what's preserved and prepared for me. It's currently hidden, but that will be my eternal address. You want to know where to find me in about 100 years? I don't know what the call numbers are. I'll be in the city of heaven. It may take you a while to find me, but hey, you got all eternity. It's going to be awesome. And that's growing in us right now. You are receiving it. And one day you will own it completely, perfectly.